Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. Once again, joined by my friend Jakub. We had like four European challengers this time, so we're recording on Sunday afternoon, which basically never happens. Never uh, happens, where, yeah. Where, where are we going to start? I think the answer is pretty clear, right? <laughs> yeah, we have to start in BL, the only 100 of this week, where we didn't get a full final as Yuri Rodinov lifted the title after just one set. Uh, Afsli and Brody retired, I think, two points in uh, into the second yeah. set, unfortunately. Uh, but Rodionov defends his title in BL, his sixth challenger title on his route there. He beat Oberleitner 40, got pushed by Vitanen, the only time he really got pushed that week. 6-3 in the third, beat Hassan in the semis. He moves up five spots, number 126, 95 points away from the top 100. How did you like Rodionov this week? Yeah, there was that funny story that um, both Rodionov and Brody were unbeaten in BL, uh, with, yeah. uh, of course, Brody winning the 2021 edition and Rodionov trying to defend the, the, his title, but neither actually played, you know, the, the event in the years that uh, that the other won it. Uh, yeah, we we are hoping for a great final for sure. Uh, all these European events sort of led to the draws being very diluted most of the time this week. Mm-hmm. Of course, Biel was the strongest one of them. Um, I think for as you said, for Rodionov, the, the the match against Virtanen was huge. Even though he only defends his titles, he's actually going to get twenty. 20 more points, right? So um, some yeah, minimal yeah. gain there. Um, of course, it, there's also that Mauthausen or uh, whatever the uh, the city in Austria was called uh, in May mm-hmm. coming for him. But um, yeah, we're always looking at Yuri Rodionov as a potential, you know, maybe he can sneak into the top 100 guy. And uh, yeah, there's, there's still a chance for that. And this BL title definitely helps him because maybe he didn't make any ranking progress, but you know, he was facing uh, some uh, small issues if he, if he didn't defend this. Yeah, huge for him. I mean, get, gets you extra points as well. I think he's defending like a second round in Lille because it's saying 12 points extra, but I think that that's, that's just what it might be. Yeah, there's one I more think, week, I think right? So, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think really nice title for him. Took advantage of this draw. Vita uh, pushed him very nicely. It is a bit of a bummer that we didn't get this big Rodinov Brody yeah. showdown in the final. Uh, but either way, very nice run. For it him. was actually a quarters in Lugano because last year it was Biel Lugano and it oh, was the yeah. other way around and in consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as for Brody. This was his 10th challenger final. He lost the first seven, then won BL in 2021, got a second title, but lost this one again. He started by beating Durasovic, then took out Neukrist, came back from a set down against Diallo and beat Mariusz Kopil in the semifinals. Still moved up 30 spots, number 131, but now has to deal with this injury. What did you think of Brody this week? Yeah, um, I heard um, a video on Twitter of David Samuel, so Brody's coach, uh, the, discussing the injury. It was apparently with him for like 10 days and it was a little niggle, mm-hmm. but in the final it got, uh, yeah, basically unbearable. You could see that he was, for a while, he was almost exclusively slicing his forehand. So that was when we all knew uh, watching that something is awfully wrong. Uh, apparently, they're going to have like a scan. I'm not sure if Brody has already re- uh, withdrawn from, uh, I think, where's he playing? Hirona? But but um, yeah, he's probably going to do that, I suppose, but we'll see. Maybe he gets the scan like early in the week and gets cleared. But um, yeah, a shame that it ended this way. Very similarly to Rodionov, he basically had one tough match along the way and it was against Gabriel Diallo where he, yeah, 
barely survived, just like at the end of it against Virtanen. And as you said, it's just a shame that we didn't get to see this. Uh, Brody was oh, actually quite a big favorite in the final, according to the odds, which I'm a little surprised by. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm too, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would I would have it like I don't know almost fifty fifty ish or something. Rodionov probably has the bigger serve, um, and um, and and could benefit from that on a on a court like this. But yeah, for sure a very nice week for him. And let's just hope that the wrist isn't going to be an issue because yeah, for now Liam Brody is like on track to have his best, uh, the, you know, the best year of his career. Uh, after all these after these first three months but of course um the clay season is coming and that's always been an issue for Liam so let's see how he handles that provided he's healthy yeah I'm I'm, I'm really impressed with with Brody as as I think I mentioned a couple of times last year like if, if he got those Wimbledon points where he reached that third round he would be in the top 100 already or or, or he would have broken it uh last year so he's in that unfortunate situation, but he's put himself in a, in a really nice place. And hopefully this injury isn't anything too serious and we'll get to see him throughout the year. As for our semifinalists, let's start with Mariusz Kopil, who reached the semis as a qualifier, had to save a match point in qualifying against Porceladze, where he played a three tiebreak <laughs> classic, uh, as, as we're think, used to sometimes seeing with, with big servers like these. Uh, in the main draw, he took out Marek Gengel before pulling off a huge upset over Dominic Stricker, who we both picked for the title. Also dealt with Mika Brunold in the quarterfinals 6-3-6-3, his first challenger semifinals since Nottingham in 2021. So, you know, om- almost two years. What did you think of Kopil this week? As you said, very easily could have lost in the qualifying. I think Purcellazo had a few match points on his serve. Um, so, uh, yeah, with the, with the Georgian usually serving like 220 kilometer an hour bombs, that's gonna be a rough, uh, you know, a rough uh, moment for anyone who's trying to save match points against it. But, um, Kopil did that, of course. And yeah, the, the sticker win was definitely one of the surprises of the week. Maybe it's my upset. Maybe it's not. I'm not, I'm not really sure yet, but. Um, I also saw that I think Stricker withdrew from Lille next week. So, uh, perhaps there was some uh, physical issue involved in there. But in general, uh, as you said, that's the best week Kopil has had in a long while. And, you know, generally he's been pretty solid this year. Only played five events so far, which, um, is a bit, is a bit surprising, I guess. But the, 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 you know, the, the previous, like the, the last three that he played. So Biel Lugano, Rovereto, they've all had some pretty nice moments for him. <laughs> and he's winning a lot of close matches. Yeah. Our other semifinalist was Benjamin Hassan, who also saved match points, uh, in his opener against Alexander Richard, seven, six in the third, took out Tyson Kwiatkowski in straight sets before defeating Norbert Gombosch as well, seven, six, six, two. His first challenger semi since Troy in last June, but that was a 50, I think. So this is, you know, much, much bigger of a result for him. What did you think of Hassan this week? Yeah, I actually, uh, when I was in Sakesh Fehervar, I read an interview about, ben, uh, with Benjamin Hassan and it was quite interesting because it like, um, talked about him uh, being regarded as a player who had more potential, but like wasn't always trying. And Hassan actually oh. agreed with this. Uh, which I found interesting. I don't know if, if, you know, if there's anything that he can really do at this point. 
um, you know, bigger than than what he's usually what what he's done so far. I mean, for for a player like him, I mean, I think it's it's probably all about whether you can sneak into Grand Slam qualies or something like that. Uh, his career high is two hundred and eighty three, so of course he's never done that. Uh, but yeah, certainly a pretty nice week for him. He uh, beat Richard and Gombos, which are good wins. Of course, both players are pretty wildly out of form, but he didn't look mm-hmm. outmatched against Rodionov like whatsoever. So um, yeah, and and you're right that Trois uh, was a was a challenger fifty. He I think he reached the final there even right, but um, of yeah, course yeah. Uh, of course did not win it against uh, yeah against someone uh, Juan Bautista Torres. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Mika Brunot uh, made the quarterfinals here. Uh, again, he beats Daniel Kolaj, 6164, took out the lucky loser, uh, Max Hans Rechberg, 6-3 in the third. Second challenger quarterfinal at just 18 years old, now into the top 600. What did you think of Brunot this week? Yeah, sort of similarly to Lugano, uh, it was a very unimpressive run in a way, but then again, you know, reaching <laughs> back-to-back challenger quarterfinals at the age of 18. Uh, is huge, but when he ran into like the first, uh, I want to say, I don't want to say proper indoor player because Reberg is, is of course like an indoor specialist, but still outside of Ismaning, he hasn't really been close to the challenger level so far. And once again, when he ran into like a proper indoor challenger player, he was kind of destroyed, maybe not as much as he was by Escoffier or by uh, Daniel Masur in uh, the 25k in Trimbach, which happened between Biel and Lugano in this in this little um, Swiss swing. But um, yeah, I think Stricker would have killed him if, if he beat Kopil. Um, just uh, yeah, that did not seem like uh, Brunold has that sort of, I mean, he, he definitely struggles when someone just plays very fast off the bounce and just uh, puts a lot of pressure on him. I guess you can kind of see it in the, you know, in the motions that he, um, on his swings. So, um, we'll see. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, for him, it's, it's like an unbelievable result, even if it doesn't really seem repeatable, at least for now. Yeah. Over in the doubles, we had, Franzen and Jebens uh, with their first title together after reaching the Lugano final. Uh, Hendrik Jebens is actually the new number one in the challenger race uh, in the solo doubles section. Has he also? Oh, you, you've also done a solo doubles section. Yes, yes. Was that that's always also there? Available. I don't think it was, right? Uh, no, I I, I, add, I added it this season. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Jebens currently top of the charts in that one ahead of Chandra Sekar and Cornea. Cornea, who was the finalist here alongside Franco Skugor, their second final together after they won Roberto uh, earlier this year. But yeah, we can go to Las Franquesas del Valles, which was an interesting event with Hugo Grenier uh, lifting the title over Billy Harris in the final 3-6-6-1-7-6. His fourth challenger title, winning all four of his last finals. Uh, on this run, he beat Sanchez Izquierdo, Daniel Cox, Ivan Gajov, Buyun Chaokete in the third set tiebreaker. He moves up 21 spots to 125. Uh, didn't have a good season coming into this at all, but got to turn it around against some lower ranked players, lower level players. But yeah, what did you think of this run here from Grenier? Yeah, I mean, the, the highest ranked opponent he played this week was 241. So, you know, he mm-hmm. came into this event with a 4 8 win loss record, I think. Has it been uh, like if he played the sort of players that he played before, would he get uh, to a final? I'm not sure. 
but still, of course, it, it's bound to give him a lot of confidence and especially winning three pretty close, well, uh, against Harris and Yunjao Kete, it, it, these were, of course, uh, huge comebacks, but um, against uh, Gakov, maybe not as much, but still three very close matches against players who are like all on top of their game this week. Uh, so in that way, it's certainly pretty huge for him. And that's, uh, I mean... Honestly, by this point, uh, after watching all these finals on Sunday, I'm kind of struggling to like remember which one, which, uh, you know, which comeback happened where. But Harris also was like 5 2 up in the third, right? Was, was he? I'm trying to remember. I, I, yeah, it, it, there's just been so much happened today, you know, with Genesi, with um, Berankis, with all of these incredible comebacks that I now cannot remember what happened in the first yeah, five, 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 two up, yeah. Five two yeah, up, he, yeah. He, he, uh, just, just one break, but yeah, five two up. Yeah, five two up. I, I was pretty sure something happened, but yeah, with, with all with every uh, single <laughs> final today being so close, aside for um, Brody Rodionov, of course. Um, yeah, it, it's just so hard to keep track of that. Frankly, I haven't had the chance to, uh, you know, to to think about it. Let's say, um, yeah, just uh, sort of get used to it yet. But yeah, uh, he pulled back from uh, five and two, and uh, and then uh, won the tiebreak. A very similar match, I think. Grenier, um, like tactically, he's sort of similar to Purcell. Maybe doesn't have the slice, but he's also like a big surf grinder. And in that way, I think he had a pretty, t- that's why he had a pretty tough time with Harris as well, because, uh, for most of the match, there was just nothing for free for him. And you could see sometimes that on the offense, he is not that comfortable. Yeah. And Billy Harris made his first challenger final here as at 28 years old. It's a great story for him. Uh, he beat Butfilash, Naiboyer. Took out Krutik, 6162. This little run that he had was brilliant after qualifying. Krutik, 6162. Roka Bataya, 626 love. Through Haiti, 6063. Just three guys in a row that he took to the bakery. Then takes out the top seed, Max Purcell, that we were all talking about who's going to beat him, who's going to beat him. Uh last week, takes out Max Purcell and comes very close against Grenier in the fight in that final. Still up 71 spots, number 302. What did you think of Harris this week? Yeah, that was quite something. I mean, never would have expected that. He was, of course, injured in January in Nontaburi. And, uh, but then in February, March, he played five ITF events, only got to one quarterfinal. Um, decent players, I guess, that he lost to a lot of, uh, Portuguese guys, Faria, Vale, Rocha, also, um, Lucas Puleu, who, who also had a bit of a run this week. But, um, yeah, nothing really that would have, uh, prepared us for this and especially for how he crushed his first three opponents. And of course, the, the big win over Purcell, because that was, um, yeah, the, the story of the, of the week, I guess, even though today, yeah, there were three strong contenders in the finals. Uh, which were also wild. But, um, you know, even though Harris lost this final, this is still the best week of his career by like a country mile. He only had one quarterfinal before in Nontaburi 2022, which had an even, like, this isn't a strong challenger 75 field, but uh, Nontaburi, of course, was a challenger 50 and it was weaker. Uh, so yeah, this is still something that Billy Harris has never shown. I, I've actually, th- th- there was someone yesterday who commented that, um, no, it, it's, it's not out of the blue. I mean, Billy always, uh, he, even last year, he had so many good runs and I'm like, which runs, <laughs> you know, at the challenger <laughs> level, it's been, it's been a struggle for him. Let's be honest. And, um, even last year, I mean, he was still playing so many like UK pro series stuff. 
Um, yeah, yeah, just just a very interesting story with the fact that before 2022, he never even played the Challenger main draw. And that was when he was 27. Uh, is he going to be able to capitalize on that? I don't know. I mean, he had to take a special exempt to Sanremo because Berankis and Adet were in Lille. I don't know if, you know, if that would, if that was something that he wanted to do, but I guess he's good on clay. So maybe he was, um, I think he was on the qualifying list in Lille though. So, uh, probably preferred Lille a bit, but, um, yeah, let's see. But because this sort of level, you know, the way he was hitting the ball, the way he was just so consistent, but at the same time hitting with such solid depth pace, uh, is just something very, very new to, to Billy Harris, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's definitely out of, you know, late, late bloomers that we talk about. He's definitely a, a candidate that we could see emerge uh, here. And yeah, looking forward to what he can offer us next week and onwards. As for our semifinalists, let's start with Purcell, who already had trouble in the first round against Anna Boldi, going all the way to a third set tiebreaker. Bounced back from that with straight set wins over Hertz and Jorda Sanchez. But his 18 wins, uh, 18 win streak ended with that loss to Billy Harris. What are your thoughts on Purcell here? Yeah, we did not expect that. Uh, we thought that maybe Purcell was going to lose to Krutik, if anyone. Of course, Krutik lost to Harris, who then beat Purcell. Yeah. <laughs> um, some very interesting info on the guy who, of course, has such uh, like a quirky play style. And um, I guess it makes sense that some types of players would just bother him. Uh, but it was pretty um, weird. I mean, weird. Yeah, it was just exciting to see that someone like Arnabordi who just has a killer slice himself can sort of drag Purcell into these into that slice battle and almost win. Mm-hmm. And then Harris by just yeah not missing, hitting a good ball every single time, uh, just just keeping it a very um, also also returning uh, Purcell's first serve very well, just keeping the number of free points very very low. Uh, for Purcell, he was also able to trouble him and eventually beat him, uh, which, uh, yeah, was a huge shocker. But um, when you watch the match, it was just really kind of hard to see how Purcell is going to beat this guy, how Purcell is going to get the points. And yeah, as I said earlier, I think it was very similar in that final against Grenier for Harris. So um, certainly a bit of, um, I guess, some intel for us in terms of what can make Purcell tick. Uh, sadly, the streak is gone because, well, with him um, now scheduling himself as he was, I was sort of hoping that maybe he can go on like a Talon Greek sport sort of run. Talon, by the way, is still, uh, I, I haven't even realized that uh, before this week, but Talon Greek sport streak is still on, right? I mean, he, he still is on 30 yeah. challenger match wins in a row. <laughs> but uh, of course, Purcell stops at 18, uh, which probably puts him in like the top. 10, 15 ever. I, I've only counted at, until the guys who like have 20, 21 and etc. So uh, that's just a guess, but probably somewhere around these ranges. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still mightily impressive that, that he put 18 wins together. That, that, that's yeah. insane. Had to end eventually. I am curious to see how he's going to step up against, you know, slightly tougher competition next week in Lille. It's going to be the top seed there. A lot of pressure. So I'm curious how he's going to deal with that. Our other semifinalist was Bu Yunchao Kete, reaching his first Challenger semifinal at 21 years old. Obviously had a lot of hype last year with the ITF results that he didn't really translate on, into the Challenger Tour. This time he gets his gets his wins beating Echeverria, uh, Mansuri and Gasto Eliash. What were your thoughts on him this week? Yeah, I mean, sir, as you said, he hasn't really translated that to the Challenger Tour. Does this week tell us that he will? 
Not necessarily, right? I mean, this still has to be sort of proved, mm. I suppose, because, well, the draw that, especially the one that he landed was, um, yeah, fairly weak aside for maybe Gustav Elias, Gustav Elias, who's of course better on clay than hard. Uh, but he did play a very good match against Grenier. Um, yeah, just, yeah. just a bit of a concern, like whether his game is explosive enough or not. And I guess that's something that we're not going to know for like the next, um, yeah, for, for like the next few events, maybe even, or, or maybe like for the whole year, even because, yeah, since, uh, since, uh, he sort of transferred to the challenger tour from the ITFs, it generally hasn't been pretty. But he is starting to get at least something going, right? Along with this and the Shevchenko win in Tenerife. Yeah, and from the quarterfinals, I picked out David Horda Sanchez, who beat Eden Leshem and Nicolas David Yonel, making his challenger main draw debut at eight at 28 years old. <laughs> what did you think of Horda Sanchez? Yeah, I don't think I even watched him, frankly. Uh, 28 years old, yeah, and and making it, it was his challenger debut. You're saying or main, main draw, I think, major yeah. challenger debut at the end. So like a Billy Harris almost, I suppose. A little bit. Um, yeah. No, I I did not see that much against Purcell. I I remember seeing that it it was in the second set tiebreak and was going to tune into the the third uh, yeah the third set if it happened, but uh, it didn't. So um, but yeah, getting Purcell to a tiebreak is definitely quite. Uh, impressive, even if uh, Purcell was not quite at the, you know, India altitude level. All right. In the doubles, Chandrasekhar and Prasant have won their second challenger title together after Pune. They did not drop a set this week. They're the number one challenger team at the moment on an eight win streak. In the final here, they beat Puravraja and David Sharan, their 20th challenger final together, as well as three other ATP finals. And how about Cabral, uh, sorry, Clark Justino over Cabral Purcell for the upset of the week, right? <laughs> that, that was something as well. Challenger doubles just delivers this every single week, I think. Strong contender, yeah. <laughs> we can go over to Zadar, where we had Alessandro Genesi beat out Sebastian Ofner 6-4-5-7-7-6, who his fourth challenger title at 32 years old, his first one since Vicenza in 2019. His first final dates back all the way to September 2011 uh, in Napoli. And a bit of an interesting quirk with Genesi I found is that he won three out of his four titles outside of Italy. So I think he's like uh, three and one, I think. Yeah, but uh, he's reached eight of his 12 finals in Italy. So he's lost like so many of his uh, Italian finals. But he he seems to get it done outside of Italy, interestingly enough. He was very close to not getting it done, though, because he was 4-love, 40-love up in the third set. And he lost that lead down to 4-5 down, had to save a match point in the tiebreak. But he wins out in the end. Uh, it was like an amazing match, I think. What did you think of his performance this week? Yeah, because he was so close to blowing this, I think it's not really, you know, related to Italy. I think he just sort of struggles in the finals. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, yeah, you can, um, well, it, it's kind of surprising that he only has four challenger titles, you know, being in the top 100 mm -hmm. in the past and sort of being a high level challenger player for years. But of course, that's mostly due to his conversion rate, apparently. And yeah, he was uh, four love, uh, four deal of up in the final against Ofner almost blew that he there, there were definitely games when he like was like just hoping that Ofner was going to hand it over to him he didn't the backhand was breaking down and uh, there were some major depth issues on that shot 
but in general, a very nice week for him. I wouldn't have expected this after Sagesh Paherwar, where in the second set against Koboli, he was just dead. I thought maybe he was even injured or something like this, but well, apparently not, or maybe he healed it very quickly. And yeah, he was so impressive this week in how he was just playing all of these more more powerful guys and just outmaneuvering them with you know with how crafty he is, with how smart he plays. And that's something that he's always had. And I guess that's something that also doesn't really have like a, a expiration date on it. I think that's something yeah. that we're going to watch until the end of his career, basically. Yeah, just to go through his run, he beat Ginard, Sederusic, then Jombor Piroš and Artur Kazo. All of them in straight sets going into that final. And moves up 45 spots, number 216 in the ranking. So prolongs his challenger slam qualifying life for uh, a little bit longer. As for Ofner, it was his 10th challenger final, his third one already this season, second one this month. He's been on fire, uh, but it was a rough start to the run. Dropped the set to Nerman Fatic, went the set down to Dragos Nikolai Madaras. Uh, that was a 1 6 7 6 6 4 win. Then got himself back on track against G- uh, Gigante, 6 4 6 1. Took out Koboli, who was the defending champion in straight sets as well. Up 16 spots number 121, which is his new career high ranking. He's 80 points away. From the top 100, what did you think of Ofner? Yeah, getting pretty close again. Um, I think, of course, that's mostly due to the fact that he started his 2022 campaign in like March and he was basically just gaining points uh, right now. Uh, he has a bit of a window before his Prague points drop. Uh, but I think, you know, he, he might have to like do it until then. Of course, yeah, three finals this year already. He's lost all of them. I wonder if like he won, um, every single one, he would have been in the top 100 already. I guess so. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. W- w- would be, I think. Cause Tenerife no. was like, uh, was, was it 50 or 75? I cannot remember right now. Uh, but here he, uh, in Zadar in, in Antalya, he missed on, uh, he missed oh, 50 just, points. Yeah, already or, or 75s. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he would have been very, very close if he won all of them. Uh, but of course that would have also impacted yeah, his seedings and et cetera. So it's like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was so close to getting the, that win. Of course, uh, he, um, had a volley on top of the net and, uh, uh you know, match point up. Uh, it was, a reactive volley, like he didn't really have time on it. Still, you would expect to to get it over the net most of the time. And the same for his volley two points earlier. So there were basically two almost identical. The the first one, not on match point, was actually a little tougher, but almost identical situations uh, where yeah, he just didn't. Uh, you know, I guess in in such uh, like uh, reactions, you only really you know wave your racket and sort of hope that you get the correct angle. He didn't. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I I I felt like that was a really good play by Genesee down down that match point. Down that uh, match point, sort of forced, really? he, like like he 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 sort of forced it lower than the net, which which always makes us makes the type of volley difficult. Still um, think he, he that's but not yeah, how he I wanted mean, to play. Still, like, should sh- sh- should be should be over the net. It, it was not. Um, I, I don't think that's how Genesi like wanted to play it. I think it was too too good of an opportunity for Ofner. But of course, he didn't. He missed that. Uh, and lost the match. Um, yeah, not that much of a bummer, I guess, for him, which of course right now it stings. But as you said, um, such a good start to his clay season with Antalya and Zadar. And, uh, yeah, it could have been over in the second round. Madaras was, was very close to clinching that one as well. So, um, certainly escaped there and then improved as the, as the week went on, but didn't, um, complete the Italian three-peat. 
Yeah, let's move on to our semifinalists, starting with Flavia Koboli, who beat Mile Policek, 6-1-6-3, came back from a set down to beat Damir Jum, who were 7-5 in the third, beat the tricky, tricky qualifier, who was actually the highest-ranked player in the draw, Julia Sefieri, 6-1 in the third, his first challenger semifinal since Ortisei, uh, but he still drops to number 199, so very close to dropping out of the top 200 after failing to defend this title. What did you think of Koboli and his prospects going forward? Uh, he still saved himself. Um, it was it was close to being very dramatic if he like lost in the, in the first round here, of course, with the title defense. But it's not, as you said, he's still in the top 200. And, uh, well, barely, but, you know, safely in the Grand Slam qualifying range and et cetera. Yep. Uh, he was down to Junhur as well in the, in the second round. Um, so I think overall he still needs to be pretty happy about this week. Uh, of course he didn't defend his title, but, uh, it, it's an improvement. It, and along with the quarterfinal in Sekesh Fehervar, perhaps we were seeing some sort of, um, yeah, that, that, uh, this clay season maybe could be much better for Koboli than, uh, what we were watching from him in the past, I don't know, um, eight months or so. Uh, probably since that Zadar title, right? I don't know if he's like had any good results since. Um, maybe there was something in like, oh yeah, Ortisei you mentioned, but that was mm-hmm. kind of random, right? With the carpet court, I mean, carpet, uh, with the ultra fast indoor hard courts. Uh, not really still suiting his game, but. Yeah, he he also had like he had like one other semi in in Rome, mm-hmm. but that's that's about it. A couple of quarterfinals, yeah. Slim pickings in general, but uh, but but yeah. yeah. So um, getting a couple of them in a row right now is is certainly huge. Yeah, our other semifinals was Artur Kazo, who came back from a set down against Fornio to win six two in the third, beat Duy Aydukovic in straight sets, then beat Dino Prismic six one six one. His third challenger semifinal in 2023 already, first one in his career on clay, up 21 spots to number 197. So he breaks the top 200 in the live rankings as we speak. But yeah, what did you think of Kazal this week? Yeah, we were all sort of waiting for that Kazal Prismich quarterfinal, and it ended up being a bummer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Prismi just did not like have the weaponry to, to hit through Kazo and, and couldn't really cause him any troubles. Of course, Kazo is a very aggressive player himself, but, um, just, yeah, when Prismi tried to, um, control the point, it just wasn't working out for him at all. Um, I remember saying that like I might be pick, uh, I, I, uh, like I could pick Kazo, but I want to see it first. Of course, after he beat, uh, Prismich, um, I was a little <laughs> angry at myself, but you know, in the end, I, I wouldn't have picked Janessi. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very solid week for him. Of course, this is his first semi outside of Nontaburi, which uh, I always thought was, you know, a sample size issue and like, yeah, just a random fact, realistically, like, of course, he's going to get other big results. He's just too talented not to. And um, yeah, if he's healthy for, for the whole year, he's going to have a lot more semifinals than Nontaburi. Yeah, uh, I also wanted to mention Dino Prismic, who reached his third challenger quarterfinal already this season, this time with wins over Basic and Kovalik. He was actually a sizable favorite against Kovalik as well, which makes a little bit of sense with, with Kovalik's form, but for Prismic to be like 135, 140, that was interesting. I was me, shocked. Yeah. I was shocked, but it, it actually <laughs> ended up being right. So <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were right, yes. Uh, probably baited some Kovalik action as well out of that one. Oh, definitely. But, yeah. yeah. What, what did you think of Prismich this week? 
Um, yeah, he, he is raw, uh, but what do you expect at 17, right? Uh, still, after the Kovalik <laughs> match, I was I was really hopeful that maybe my crazy pick is going to work out. It didn't. Um, yeah, player to watch from now on, but uh, maybe a little bit of a reality check in that, uh, in that quarterfinal for sure. <laughs> that he maybe doesn't really deserve, you know, uh, odds like that against, uh, you know, players of Kovalik's level so far. Of, even though in that match it actually looked justified, but... Um, yeah, the, the, the quarterfinal was definitely a, a huge reality check and just a, re- yeah, just, a, just a way to remind us that the guy is 17 <laughs> and, uh, we shouldn't maybe expect him to be Alcaraz just yet. Over in the doubles, we had Ginard and Sedarusic, these two guys who've been, you know, they've had very interesting seasons where they both go 0-7 to start and they yeah. meet in Sekishvejera. This week, they both lost to Genesi, but they were on they track the for another together. second round, right? Uh, yeah, if, yeah, if, they, they, if, Genesee, if, yeah. if Genesee hadn't thwarted them. Uh, but yeah, second tournament together playing doubles, sixth title for Ginard, second for Sedarusic, and they beat the Sabanov twins in the final 17th challenger final for the Sabanov twins, just four titles, four and 13 in finals on the challenger tour. Uh, we can go to Sambriok, where we had Richard Asberankis lift the title over Dan Aded, 6 3, 6 7, 7 6, his 14th challenger title. First one since Vancouver in 2019. He started with a dominant win over my pick for the title, Chemil Kills, 6 2 6 Love. Then took out uh, your pick. Did, did you actually yeah. do it, Kasper Jouk? Yes. Six, I did. <laughs> also beat Escoffier from a set down, took out Furness in the semis, up 16 spots, number 219. But that's because he's defending Lille final next week. So that's counted in. So he already has that all, all, off the board already up a bit in the rankings. What did you think of Berankis this week? I actually think, uh, you know, Zhuk would have had a great chance to do it if he beat Berankis. Uh, I don't know what happened to Ilkal that he lost to Berankis in 55 minutes because I think this week he's already <laughs> defeated Jules Marie like 6-1, 6-1. So he seems to yeah. be back in shape. Anyway, uh, yeah, Berankis is also back in shape physically. And I think that's really made all the difference. Uh, he's, yeah, he seems way stronger right now. I uh, was able to play these three setters with Escoffier, Jouk, Adet without any real like moments of looking tired or anything. Of course, another crazy final. Of course, he had two match points in the second set and um, yeah, nearly blew it, but then came back. It was always a little bit more on his racket, but uh, Adet certainly made it tricky. Um, he, you know, the Frenchman need to needed to like kind of let him back into the match for sure. And he did. So, um, yeah, as you said, first title since August 2019 and certainly quite unexpected. But maybe Berankis isn't as, um, well, done maybe is, is a stretch, but, you know, uh, maybe he isn't as done as we sort of thought that he was. And I think, yeah, in, in, in increasing his like, um, yeah, just improving physically in the past couple of months have really, has really made the difference because that's not really his first decent match, right? I mean, also in Lugano, he was in the quarters playing some very good stuff and um generally the past couple of of events he's been way more ready than um yeah than in 2022 late 2022 of course yeah, I, I was very pleasantly surprised with, with Berankis this week. I was also very surprised with Dana Dead, who reached yeah. his first challenger final at 23 years old. Started with uh, an upset, well, an upset, took out Litu, who was the second seed. Then he saves a match point against Calvin Emery in the second round. 
took out Lyle and Pierre-Hugues Herbert in the quarters and semis. Uh, was a breakup in the third over Berankis. So he had a very good chance to to take the double this week in Sambriok. He doesn't get it done in singles, but still moves up 41 spots, number 242, breaking the top 250. What were your thoughts on Adit this week? Yeah, he was so close to getting like an incredible story because, well, as you said, he won the doubles title, saving match points in two different rounds. So yeah. <laughs> he was very close to doing that in singles as well. Uh, yeah, a sneaky good serve, uh, which we mentioned a few times, and that also makes him uh, like a strong doubles player. And it gave a lot of trouble to Berankis in the final. Uh, slight choke uh, in that... Um, in that 5-3 game where he was serving for it and that was enough but even like uh you know until the very until the very end he was still asking Berankis questions he was still um you know Berankis had to hit a couple of very tough smashes in the tie break so it wasn't clear and yeah the best week of his career and he's also another guy like Billy Harris who doesn't really win this many ITF titles at least not recently but suddenly gets a huge challenger run against well and in this case actually against I think some very strong opposition Lyle Emery Herbert yeah let's go to our semi-finalists starting with Pierre-Hugues Herbert uh who beat Collignon 6-3 in the third took out Kachmazov and Poulain his second challenger semi-final this season what did you think of him this week yeah, I mean, for him, of course, it's uh, it's key, it's, uh, it's the key that he is back healthy again because he uh, even between Quimper and Lugano, so uh, January and and March, he had some small issues. Uh, the win of Recordion was honestly kind of surprising to me. I think that's the big takeaway from this week. Uh, by the time he reached the semis, I was fully expecting him to play Barankis in like an old school final. It did not materialize, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just getting four matches on the board, of course, is super important for Pierre Gerber at the moment. The other semifinalist was Evan Furness, who beat Briant, Fanselo, and Arold Mayo back-to-back semis after Sekishvehervar last week. Any thoughts on him? Back-to-back semis, jumping surfaces, sort of similarly yeah. to Sekishvehervar. He was very, like, he was looking good getting into the semis, but then you would actually think that most players are going to beat him. Is that going to be the story of Evan Furness's career? Sort of, but yeah, of course, he already has that challenger title uh, under his belt. So, um, yeah, at least that pressure is gone uh, from him. So, yeah. And then a couple of qualifiers reached the quarterfinals here, starting with Luca Poulain. He beat the Kuiper and Veldhead to qualify, then beat Oradini and Ferreira Silva, his first challenger main draw at 27. We also had Mark Lyal, who beat Acerik Reinel, then in the main draw, Sachko and Onklan, his first challenger quarterfinals at 19. Any thoughts on either of these guys? Yeah, I think um, at the beginning of the year, um, I was certainly thinking that Layal could have like a big rise this year. I still think that's probably going to happen. Um, you could see on in various matches this week how ridiculously talented he is, but at the same time, of course, just so inconsistent and um yeah um, a match against a guy like Adet just really exposed how um you know his his shot selection his uh point construct point construction isn't really there yet uh but hopefully it will improve as he as he progresses Poulain was a huge surprise and another one of these you know 27 year old uh guy who um basically has been an ITF only player for the past couple of years and never really played like a full schedule even right I mean the, the guy usually mm-hmm. plays like 20 matches a year so uh, um yeah just just uh just by the fact that he has he plays 20 matches a year and still gets to uh, you know, so many ITF titles, so many good runs. 
you can kind of tell that um, if he committed to it fully, I'm not sure what the reason is, he could potentially improve his ranking by a fair bit. And this was definitely his biggest challenger run, right? I mean, I, I doubt his, 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 his very first one, his first challenger main draw. Even first challenger main draw, okay. Yeah. In the doubles, we had Danadid, as you mentioned, uh, winning the title alongside Albano Olivetti, their fourth challenger title together, second one this season. They've saved match points against Borg and Emery in the first round and also in the final against Niklas Salminen and Stevens, for whom it was the fourth challenger final together this season. They're tied for second in the challenger race. And now we go on to match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, this time I actually have both picked. Uh, shocking, isn't Ooh. it? Yeah, let's maybe happens. start with the upset, um, where I think that I have to go with Harry speeding Purcell. Um, I know I was a little reluctant at first in order to like, uh, you know, appreciate Purcell maybe or think of him as a proper top 100 player. Uh, but I actually did at some point. And um, yeah, I just did not think that he was going to lose, especially as, uh, you know, when he struggled against Arnaboldi, it was just a completely different play style than Harry's. Uh, so yeah, that came as a total shock to me. I think, you know, Kopil Stricker was also another one, but, um, I think I have to go with Purcell. And of course, earlier I mentioned that doubles match of Purcell Cabral <laughs> losing to Justino and Clark. So I guess it was just Max Purcell this week that was kind of disappointing in that sense, but I'm still going with the singles match, Harry's beating Purcell. Uh, yeah, for, for me, it came down to, uh, that, that match and Kopil beating Stricker. I feel like I, I wasn't expecting Purcell to lose, of course, but I we, we saw the cracks in that first match against Anaboldi already, so I sort of saw him as more vulnerable. Stryker went to two tiebreaks with Zhukaev, but so that's why I feel like that loss to Kopil blindsided me a bit, a bit more. Like like I wasn't expecting that at all for Stryker to lose so early, so that that I, I will go with that as my pick, Kopil over Stryker, and. Who do you have for match of the week? Yeah, I think this week it kind of has to be about like the latter stages of the events and especially mm -hmm. Sunday. Today, today, because we're still recording this on Sunday, was an absolutely crazy day <laughs> when it comes to challenger action. I mean, three finals that all featured huge comebacks. I think um, Harris and uh, Grenier, it's like, you know, distant, uh, third by a distance, but between Gianessi, Ofner, Berankis are dead. Honestly, could be both of them. Um, I'm actually going to go for Berankis Adet just because I didn't think I was going to enjoy it that much. I actually watched their first, um, uh, you know, like the, the first time they played each other live in Vilnius last year. And of course, uh, Adet won, uh, which was quite a bit of a shock at the time, but Berankis was looking very weak physically. Um, but I figured maybe this time, you know, it's going to be an easier win for him. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't easy at all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think in the third set, it was still, uh, even if Adet maybe had that poor game at 5-3 and Berankis uh, certainly had some uh, weaker moments at the beginning of the decider, I think the, the quality re remained very, very high and kind of surprisingly high considering, you know, where uh, where Berankis was the, the past couple of months and also uh, Adet uh, like rarely being a force on the challenger circuit. Yeah, it, it it also came down to these two matches for me. These two 
great finals that, that we got to watch today. I will go with the other one. Uh, the San Brioc final, it did have the better crowd, which I, it, for me is, is, is a bit of a factor in these matches. I, I like a good crowd engagement. But uh, Genesee often edges it for me just because of that massive roller coaster of a third set where you go from basically almost five love up to four or five. Then you go to the tie break, match point down. Genesee wins it. Uh, you know, Genesee, who I've, I've, I didn't think that I'm going to see him win another title <laughs> at all. Whereas Berankis, I maybe had a bit more of a hope uh, for him to to take one of these in hard uh, indoors. Uh, but yeah, Genesee off nine for me. So we have split on both. But I think very close decisions for. Yeah, I also made the made the poll already, and um, unsurprisingly, uh, these two are at the top. But uh, for now, with 115 votes, Genesee versus Offner has. 42% and Berankis versus Adet has 31. So um yeah, that, that that the one that you picked is also leading the the popular vote, so to speak. Also thanks to me because I, I voted in that poll. Okay. But... <laughs> I can't vote in my own polls, which is kind of frustrating, but um yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to our previews. We didn't get anything right. Stupid, stupid, stupid last week, but hopefully we get something right this week. I think this week is just like on paper, a lot more exciting. Like we have two 125s that I think are going to be a lot of fun. We have Lille to switch it up. That is a hundred with, you know, three of the champions of last week. And really, a really good field as well. Like a lot and, of and the first seven matchups there. They have a shockingly amazing field in, in Girona, which I was not expecting to be basically stronger than San Remo, but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Let's start in Mexico City, where we have Marc Andrea Huesler, the top seed and defending champion against Facundo Mena. Also an altitude specialist. So that's going to be a, a brilliant first round. They will face one of two qualifiers, whoever advances. Then we have Hanfman playing Tomas Barrios Vera in that section. Winner plays Noguchi or a qualifier. Facundo Bagnis plays Nicolas Moran de Alboran. And then Antoine Bellier or a qualifier. Meligeni Alves plays Pablo, Juan Pablo Fikovic, who actually has a 3-0 lead in the head-to-head over him. Winner will play Mitchell Kruger or a qualifier. Luciano Darderi will play Renzo Olivo, and then Bernard Tomic is here with a wild card playing Tiago Agustin Tirante. Uh, we also have Duckworth playing Rodrigo Pacheco Mendes, and then Olivieri playing Nicolas Mejia. Final section Daniel Elahi Galan is the second seed playing a qualifier, and then Jan Hoinski or Alexis Galano. Alejandro Tabilo plays Yang Chan Hong, and then Enzo Coco or Nick Hart. Over in the qualifying, we have Maximilian Neukrist as the top seed. We also have guys like Kepfer, who will play Popko or Kerald Meltzer for, his, for a spot to qualify, which will be interesting. Also have Ejupovic. Uh, Juan Ignacio Londero has a wildcard into the qualies. He plays Murkel Delian. Also have Giovanni Ampeci Pericard. He will play Federico Gallo for a spot in the main draw. In the doubles, we have Goranson and McLaughlin. The, they're tied for the number two spot currently in the challenger race. They're the top seeds. We have William Blumberg playing with Julian Cash, which is pretty exciting. They will actually play Barrios Vera and Tabilo in the first round, which should be fun. Also have teams like Hidalgo and Rodriguez in here playing Hachver Dugo and Savile. Galloway Reyes Varela. Golube Venedevyesov are also here playing Lawson and Neukrist. So quite high quality all around. But going back to the singles, who are you picking for the title? Yeah, I mean, high quality tennis in very weird conditions, but a lot of the top seats are actually good at, good at altitude. So 
Um, still hopeful that we're going to get some great tennis this week. Um, are you excited for the Dimitri Popko comeback? I mean, he's just started his match against Gerald Meltzer. Maybe I'll. You I know, can't put wait. It I'm on. going to tune into it right after we're done. I'm going to watch this while I while I write my article, my predictions for tomorrow. Oh, but yeah. I, I, for a while, I thought it wasn't going to be serious, but it actually sounds. Serious. I, I, I genuinely might. I, I, so, so where I am currently, I don't really have a way to watch Miami. Okay. Uh, on like a rea- reliable source, unless I try to go through a VPN. But then Amazon Prime is good at detecting the VPNs, so it's like a battle with them constantly. So I kind of have to watch a challenger match if I'm going to watch something. <laughs> that's not uh, that's not bad. And I mean, every single match in Miami so far today has been straight sets. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. I might actually also put on Popko Metzer. I kind of miss Dimitri Popko. Maybe not the blatant match fixing, but um, yeah, you know, the guy had the good some times, games. The good times. Yeah. And uh, we'll see how he handles Gerard Meltzer. Of course, he's not the favorite there, given the fact that he's just coming back after like half a year or something. Um, I don't think, you know, anyone from the qualities can win this event anyway, provided that uh, the main draw or at least the seeds in the main draw are so strong. You know, Gerard Meltzer has been such a good altitude player. Petri Pericard, you know, his serve is probably going to be um unbreakable but still um i just think the seeds are are insanely strong here uh you know wesler as you said he's playing mena and altitude clay um sort of uh yeah, blockbuster i guess you have to say uh mena has usually been see- yeah i mean mena has usually been seeded in these sort of events and with wesler's mm-hmm. form i'm not even sure i want to pick him you know uh, there's also Hanfman in his quarter, who's also amazing at, at altitude. Uh, he's been uh, the runner-up in Kstad and Kitzbihel. He's only ATP Tour Finals. Bagnis, last year, he won a couple of Challenger titles. I think Kali and Pereira, if I remember correctly. Merigeni as well, he won in uh, Yasi in Romania. Maybe smaller altitude, but still. Um, yeah, I mean, Bernard Tomic, if I'm picking him for a clay event, it would have to be at altitude, but I still don't think I can do it, sadly. <laughs> I actually checked, and he only has one one final in his career on clay, and it's an excellent Provence, so not that altitude. Oh. Uh, but he lost like 1-6-6 six to six or something like that. Nothing in his ITF days, but I guess he also like never really played them that much. Like He just speedrunned through the ITF level, basically, mm-hmm. when he was a kid, you know, a teen. And then, of course, started playing it more in 2022. Uh, Duckworth, I, I don't think he's, he can win it, you know, on clay, um, even even in, in these sort of conditions. And I really want to pick someone like Galan, but he has Tabilo in his uh, quarter. I don't know if that's easy. And of course, Galan's form has been awful. He really needs a, a big result. He is one and eight for the year. Uh, and yeah, it leaves me with uh, some very <laughs> tough decisions here. Every single um, player I want to go for has a tough one in his quarter, at least. Some even earlier. I'm going to go with... Uh, yeah, let's try Facundo Bagnis. Wow. <laughs> even even Moreno del Boran is, is a pretty tough first round, I think. Um, but I still like Bagnis more. Um, like I still like Bagnis against Meligeni potentially in the quarters. So I think he can make the semis, and then we'll sort of sort of see what happens. Altitude was definitely great for him last year. So um, yeah, I, I think it's a very tough draw to pick from. Yeah, I'm going to stick with with Westler, the top yeah. seed defending champion. Of course, the so, the the form is poor. 
Uh, he finally got his first, you know, completed match win for the first time since Montpellier. So that's like, if you discount that win over Krajinovic, which was by retirement, that was like six straight losses and completed matches. Took a set of Tommy Paul in Miami. So I, I, it's, it's, a, it's an upwards trajectory is what I'm telling myself. Uh, Mena, by the way, if, if you're going to be betting this match, Mena is like 465 against Westland, which is outrageous. He should not be that much of an outsider. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a tricky match for him. But I believe that he can overcome it and, and sort of make his way through this draw. This should be his happy place. He knows that the pressure is on if he wants to keep himself on the main tour. He's, you know, top 50 right now. Uh, but those points are going to start falling away yeah, I mean, this week. I, I so. think he would still keep himself pretty high, even if he like didn't play the Mexican swing. But of course, not around the top 50. I think he'd still be in the mm. top 100, right? But um, but yeah, uh, like later in the year, of course, they would also help him when, when Sofia drops, especially, yeah. Yeah, just thinking for like, you know, masters main draws yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Of course, yeah. Um yeah, so so you have Bagnis, I have Westlet. We can go to Sanremo, this the other 125 we have this week, where defending champion Olga Rune is not playing, but the top seed is Juan Pablo Varias playing a qualifier and then Pellegrino or Gigante. Also in a section is Pavel Kotov as the seventh seed who is surrounded by qualifiers, so facing a qualifier and then one or two other qualifiers. Then we have Asan Karatsev uh, making his challenger tour come back. We'll, we'll see what his level is dropping down. He plays a qualifier and then Sebastian Ofner or Manuel Ginat. Uh, so Ofner would be a, a tough draw here coming off of a very strong run. Do you know also when was the last have... time uh, Karatsev played the challenger? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the easy answer, I guess, the end of the 2020 season. Yeah. So it's been it's been a while. <laughs> Yeah, then we have Arnadi playing Jean Borpiros in an exciting first round. Josef Kovalik will play Billy Harris, who took a special exempt here. Uh, then we have Luca Vanash, the fifth seed, playing Ryan Peniston and then facing Jamal Ferrari or a qualifier. Alexander Shevchenko plays Chun Sin Tseng. Winner will play Alexander Muller or Kaichi Uchida. Julia Sepieri in this uh, almost entirely Italian final quarter. Vid Kopshiva mm. is the only disruptor. But we have Julia Cepieri playing Alessandro Genesi, winner will play Luca Nardi or Gianluca Mager. And then we have Marco Cecchinato playing Vid Kopshiva and then Flavio Coboli or Francesco Maestrelli. In the qualifying, we had the top seed Richard out, uh, taken out by Federico Arnaboldi. He will face Oklepo for a spot in the main draw. Vavasori is also here, destroyed Gabriel that comes in the first qualifying round, 6 love 6 1. Kipmer Kopeans is also here, will face Viktor Durasovic. Vatucin is also here. Andrea Arnaboldi is here. Um, over in the doubles, we have Gonzalo Escobar and Fabian Rebul teaming up as the top seeds, playing Francesco Maestrelli and Luca Nardi. We have Ibavien Pavlasek, Balazine Dunchezian, Lutarevich Manafov, Kornash Kugor, Franca Nievens. A lot of the top teams that we have sort of seen throughout this season are here. Chachich and uh, Demoliner are also here as the fourth seeds. Vavasori is playing with Pellegrino. Uh, Barrientos and Behar are the second seed playing Kotov and Tseng. But going back to the singles main draw, who do you like for the title? Yeah, you're right that this is a very interesting week. And I mean, uh, just looking at these draws more closely than I was before. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting really excited. Uh, tomorrow morning, <laughs> I'm definitely watching Kopejans Durasovic. 
Um, that's, uh, that one looks really tasty from the qualifying. Yeah. Um, there are 11 Italians, by the way, in the main row and seven of them landed in the bottom quarter, which is kind of, I mean, two of them, uh, well, one of them had two, then the other had like a 25% chance. Uh, but I guess it could have been Arnaldi as well. So like a 50% chance. And of course the unseeded players, that's some magic that all of them basically landed in that, <laughs> in that quarter. And again, this is a very tough event to pick from. Um, Cecchinato, not great form. You could go Varias, but in, in just the draw is so uh, tough um, for everyone, basically. Varias can play Pellegrino in the second round, for example. And, um, well, we all know what a picking uh, Andrea Pellegrino can do. I will leave you the option to like uh, go for the top seed again. I'm not uh, going to pick Varias. I'm definitely <laughs> not picking Karatsev either. Although last time he played clay challengers, he was just crashing, of course, in in, in the Czech Republic uh, right after the restart in 2020. Uh, I was thinking of Arnaldi, but Pirosh in the opening round is, I think, slightly too tough. And I'm going to go for another player who has a very tough opening round, at least on paper. But I think if he pulls through, uh, the section is just really good for him. And my pick is going to be Alexander Shevchenko. Um, excellent mm-hmm. results on hard courts the past couple of months. He's playing Tseng. I think he's a sizable favorite there. I'm not sure by how much. I'm not sure if he's going to win, of course. I do think he's the favorite, though. Uh, you know, given um, the uninspiring form of Tseng. Of course, it's going to be his first match on clay and Tseng has already had a chance to play in Zadar. So, um, yeah, I- I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I think if he actually makes it for the first round, he has an excellent chance of going to the semis. And and yeah, then let's just see what else he can do. Hopefully he's not going to fault in the opening round. So I'm picking Alexander Shevchenko. That's is interesting because I'm going to pick against you within your with within that section. I'm going with Luca Vanash for the title in Sanremo. Um yeah, not not sure exactly why. I didn't really, I didn't really like Varias uh on the on the golden swing, his form, Karatsev's form was also very poor. Didn't want to pick up mm, the bottom the, section. During the golden swing was actually like insane, right? Well he 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 made one semi and then lost all of the other like first round didn't he mm, i think he also beat it? gaston once but um you know he beat, lost beat to gaston, yeah yeah he, 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 he made the semi buenos aires but then lost to harry in santiago lost also guido peria in miami i think that's what turned me off the most because that's 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 rough um but yeah, I mean, Luca Vanash, uh, we, we've we've not seen him on clay this season yet, but last time we saw him, he won a, a challenger in in Paw, hasn't played since. Uh, he won 40 matches on clay last year, so I'm, I'm not, you know, worried about his clay game at all. Um, of, of course, had that massive run at the end of the year that was mostly, well, almost entirely on clay. So yeah, why not? We'll, we'll face off hopefully in the quarterfinals here. All right, let's go over to Lille, where we have Max Purcell, the top seed, playing a qualifier, and then Adult Mayo or another qualifier. Also in a section, Benoit Pair plays Rafael Collignon, and then Omar Jassica or a qualifier. Norbert Gombosch plays Mikael Hertz, and then Sasha Guillemat Weinburg or Kian Jacquet. Antoine Escoffier plays Altuk Chalik and then Pierre Ugerbert or Gautier Anclan. Zdeni Kolaj plays a qualifier, and then Katsper Zhuk or Evan Furness. 
Otto Vitanen is here playing Dimitar Kuzmanov, and then Dana Dead has come in with a special exempt or a qualifier potentially. Uh, Ugrenier plays Gabriel Diallo, and then Berankis or Dugaz. Yuri Rodionov faces Li Tu, and then Kukushkin or a qualifier. So we have three champions from last week Rodionov, Berankis, Grenier, or all in this one section, which is pretty fun. In the qualifying, we have Chem Ilkel facing off with Kenides Heper. That'll be a fun one. James McCabe is also in play, as is Jonas Foretek playing Zhukayev. Also, Mark Layal is here. He'll play Antoine Huang for a spot. Um, in the doubles, we have Adede and Olivetti after winning the title last week, playing Nam and Song. Max Purcell plays with Jason Taylor. We also have Arot Mayo and Benoit Pair in doubles, uh, taking a wild card. They'll play Adneldo and Weisborn. Um, once again, a lot of these solid teams that we've seen, John Severbeig, Chandra Segar Prasant, Niklas Samuel Stevens, uh, Igor Zalane plays with Arjun Kade this week, which will be interesting. They play Harris and Smith. Trzevitsky and Valkov face off with Brown and Kureshi in the first round. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Lille? Yeah, no, probably not going to pick out of the qualifiers again. The, the main draw is just too strong. Um, I do have to say, though, that Ilkel and Kenny Deshepper are going to play for the third time this year already, which is pretty mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, and actually, Kenny took, took a set of him both times they, they faced, which is, um, well, both times I think it was a bit of a surprise. For Aitek Zhukayev, that's one I, I maybe want to watch. And Layalo Ang, which I think you mentioned, that's uh, that, yeah, that's going to be quite exciting tomorrow. The the set of uh, qualifying matches is pretty um, pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. And um, yeah, in Lille, uh, I'm not picking Purcell. I don't think I can trust him to win an event mm -hmm. uh, of this quality, even though the draw is actually you know quite nice. Um, not necessarily if he lands like one of the toughest qualifiers, because I don't know, give him Ilkel, give him Lyal, and I'm not gonna be sure. I mean, actually, maybe Lyal, I, I, I would be sure if you know how uh, easily um, Lyal's point construction tends to break down, etc. But still, like, give him a tough qualifier, and I'm not sure he makes it through the first two rounds. Um, Gombos, yeah, not, not really in form. Escofia keeps going with that round one streak. And honestly, he might do, might do it again against Czelik Bilek. Maybe he will make another quarterfinal. But um, yeah, it seems like winning the title is going to be pretty tough for him in such a good draw as well. I picked Kacper Zhuk last week and I'm actually kind of satisfied with how he did. I don't think I can do it though. Um, and that's just because I want to go with Otto Wittenen, I think. I mean, he, yeah. he lost in the quarters to, in BL to Rodionov, which was a very good match. Of course, Rodionov took the title. There was just nothing there to suggest that Wittenen's form, you know, went away in any way. Um, yeah, he plays Kuzmanov, who's been sort of out of it. Um, added, uh, I don't know if he's that much of a threat. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm, that's what I'm going to go for. I mean, Rodionov honestly has a pretty decent chance of going, if not back to back, then maybe to the semis again. I think Diallo against Grenier, probably the Canadian is the favorite, also a contender. But yeah, um, honestly, when I first saw this draw, like, well, yesterday, I guess, because it came out yesterday, um, I instantly looked at Virtanen and I haven't really changed my mind at all. So I'm going to pick up to Virtanen. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to match you on this one. Uh, I like Vietnam's draw the most. Guzmanov has a 
pretty poor record actually on indoor hard courts over his career, like 15 and 31, uh, which is pretty interesting. It's Daniel Collage is the other seed in the section, and then you have Fernes Juk added to qualifiers. I'm not particularly worried unless it's like Chemil Kill. I think he could be dangerous. But uh yeah, I, I like Vitan's draw a lot. The other one I could maybe go for is Purcell, but I'm not convinced. Uh, I'm not going to pick it odd enough to go back to back. So yeah, we've done it for me as well. And we go over to Hirona, which is the only Soul 75 that we have this week. And it is <laughs> kind of stacked. Uh, we'll see. So we have Pedro Cachina as the top seed playing Gilles Arnaud Bailly, who just won his first pro title last week. Very talented junior. Actually gets in through a junior accelerator spot, I think. Winner will play Ferreira Silva or a qualifier. We have Krutik playing Laksonen in the first round. Winner will play Bonadio or a qualifier. Marojan is here as the fourth seed playing a qualifier and then Gachov or another qualifier. Timofey Skatov plays Laurent Nokoli and then Pablo Andujar, who is in here with a wild card, or Milian Jekic. Joao Souza plays Andrea Coyarini and then Mariano Navone or a qualifier. Pedro Martinez is here playing Gerard Campagna Lee, who I assume is half Spanish, half Korean. Yes, <laughs> which is he is actually um, a friend from Asia, just um, told me some, some stuff about him today that he like had to choose between the nationalities and um that there's some weird stuff there because if you like if you're korean you have um you know you need to go through military service and like it's yeah. unclear how he's going to uh you know handle this because apparently the only way to get exempted is either a gold medal at the um asian games or a medal at the or olympics, olympics yeah. or something like that so yeah uh, quite an interesting story there and of course he won orange bowl in december yeah, so so he also gets him with the junior accelerator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first as, time as, he, as a, the first time he uses his accelerator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he still has a lot of time because I think it's it's like a certain number of months you have to serve by the time you're twenty eight. I think I have no clue. Um, I remember because I'm a Tottenham fan, and so and there was worries mm -hmm. that Huming Son would have to go to military service, but luckily he won the bronze at the Asian Games, uh, so he he only had to do a couple of weeks. But anyway, yeah, Martinez faces Campagna Lee and then uh, Yamas Ruiz or Justino. Brancaccio plays a qualifier and then Gastel Elias or a qualifier. Kame Munar is here with a wildcard playing Dalibor Sorcina and then Nicolas Rematch Dabigiano for the or... Austrian Open, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> was it third, first round that Sorcina just uh, beat him so comfortably? <laughs> and then Nicolas Davidionel or Marco Trujetti. And qualifying, we have Paul Martin Tifon facing off with Abdullah Shelbay, which was another another very uh, exciting final qualifying match. We also have Max Kashnikovsky playing Droge. Uh, we also have Jesper de Jong here playing Rincon. In the doubles, we have Bambri and Mineni coming back to the Challenger Tour. Um, we also have Cabral playing with Joao Souza this week. We have locally Marojan teaming up. They will play Rincon and Shelbaich. Raja and Sharan are here, as are the Sabanov twins. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Hirona? Yeah, not Pedro Kacin. Um, I think uh, even when he gets back to the Challenger Tour this year, I don't think he's going to dominate. Like I think he's going to do better than he did on the main tour. 
like during the golden swing or something. And of course, especially better than hard courts, but I'm not, I don't think he's going to dominate like in 2022. I I think, you know, he's going to be more um, like a top 200 player than, than a top 100 guy. So I'm not, I'm not doing this. Um, can Bali do something to him? That's uh, another question. Uh, certainly would be quite the win, quite a win for the Belgian. Uh, but yeah, not really. Brody will see if he plays with the wrist injury. I um, could pick Maroshan easily, and like the section is actually really nice, uh, provided he doesn't get like someone well who is really like dangerous from the qualifying. Not you know. Shalbaich, I guess, maybe Kashnikovsky if he beats Druge, but but I would still back Maroshan to like make the semis here, so um, I could certainly go for this. Martinez also not in great shape, of course. I was thinking of Munar, um, not because of his form. <laughs> you know, he he's also one of the guys who has not started 2023 that well. But honestly, both in Indian Wells and in Miami, he really pushed Wu and Kovacevic. Uh, made the courts, you know, look super slow, which in the case of Indian Wells, it probably was. In the case of Miami, maybe it was one of the smaller, slower ones, but still not as, um, painful as Indian Wells, probably. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth between Munar and, um, yeah, Munar and Maroshan. I think they both have great sections. I guess I just trust the Spaniard more, you know, if he, if he wins like two matches or something, uh, he has generally, uh, played a lot of these. Maybe it wasn't Hirona in the past, but, um, yeah, he tends to play like a challenger in March or something like that. And he usually does very well at it. I mean, I remember him winning Marbella, uh, I think maybe even last year, but also, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Perugia, he also won. Yeah, Perugia was um, like um, much later, yeah, though, right? Later on, like yeah. June. Yeah, or yeah, that, like that. that was June actually. But uh, but but yeah, I, I just remember him playing challengers like that. Marbella, I think he won last year, and he, I think he was also in the final um, like a couple years back against uh, Mager. So um, yeah, I, I I think he's just usually done very well at this sort of event at this point of the year. Just you know, starting his clay season with a challenger and then going uh, onto the main tour. Uh, and yeah, I like his chances to do that again. So I'm picking Jaume Muller. Okay. All right. Yeah. It, it pretty much sort of came down between Munar and Marojan for me. Same. Yeah. Uh, and so since, since you're taking Munar, I will just take Marojan. And yeah, I mean, I, I probably like his draw even a bit more. Um, but the fact that Munar has the pressure on him, he's defending, you know, as many points as he's going to try and defend out of those. 125 that he's to defend for Marbella. Uh, he's going to try and cut that down. But so whose who's draw do you say you liked more? Or Ma- Marojan. I, I probably like his draw a bit more okay. than, than Munar. Yeah. Mm. I, I probably we'll don't. Round two, Brancaccio quarters or Elias or Skatov is probably more dangerous than Brancaccio but yeah it's it. I mean these two definitely look like the the strongest picks because uh, well guys like Kachi and Martinez they definitely have something to prove first um yeah and I guess that's gonna be it then um it's certainly a very exciting week of AT, ATP Challenger Tour action um we've got the, the the youngsters using accelerator spots we've got so many big names 
uh, so many exciting first round matchups as well. Hopefully this time we're going to do a bit better on the predictions. Uh, but anyway, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty just, uh, you know, we can assure you that if you're going to be following the Challenger Tour next week, you're going to enjoy it because there's clearly going to be a lot to be enjoyed. Oh, Brody has withdrawn also. So, um, mm-hmm. well, I guess no surprise there. So I guess it's just a lucky loser or has someone, no, it's Krutik moved into. Uh, did you already read the draw like this and I was just asleep or? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't read Brody in here. So ah, Krutik okay. in ninth seed. So yeah, yeah Krutik is the nine, is the ninth seed. I'm not sure where he was before, but, um, doesn't really matter anyway. Anyway, uh, but yeah, that, that, as we, as we said, that was kind of expected with, ah, Krutik was supposed to face, uh, Ferreira Silva at Um, that was kind of expected with Liam's, uh, wrist injury. Uh, hopefully it's not going to keep him out for that, that long, but at least for a week, as we see, as we can see. Anyway, we're going to be back in seven days, uh, of course, to discuss the events of Girona, Lille, uh, Sanremo and Mexico City. A nice diversity, not not all in Europe this time around, although with just one exception. Uh, see you then. Bye. Bye.